Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Ernie C, the Gap Tooth Genius, and I'm here to bring to you a very special episode, episode 85 of the... Shoot that shit. Shoot the shit. Shoot the shit. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's episode 85 of the STS Podcast. That laugh in the background is my guy, my brother, Virus C. Local. Again, my name is Ernie C., the Gap Tooth Genius, and we are here to present to you the 85th episode of the STS Podcast. Big shout out to everybody who tuned in episode 84. I had, let's see here, I got my guy Daniel Akala on from the prestigious, sorry, the ambitious Boxing Academy. Very prestigious place there at the ambitious Boxing Academy. I hope you guys enjoyed it, y'all. The numbers are looking fucking great so far. I think we almost had 400 views on part one, about 350 on part two. That's just what the Instagram. So shout out to everyone on Instagram following us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, STS Podcast 661. Again, it's STS Podcast 661. If Virus can stop fucking with the mic because he's making a noise, or is that just me? That's you moving around. I, you're, getting, you're not talking to the mic, though. That's you moving around. Hey, what's up, Virus? How you doing? Yeah. Okay, so we, now if you follow us on... Apple Podcast, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all that good stuff. And I gotta move this goddamn yeah. wire around because it's fucking up the sound. Hold on. Uh, please shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Again, follow us here on STS Podcast 661, y'all. Find all the exclusive stuff here. Returning listeners, welcome to the exclusive audio, man. Again, we're nothing without the returning listeners. You guys keep this podcast going. You guys keep us doing the exclusive pods. And new listeners, welcome to the show, y'all. We usually don't have a guest on the exclusive podcast. Usually I'm solo dolo. But you know what? Virus local. I almost said it. <laughs> I would embarrass him. What's up, Virus local? How you doing today, my guy? How are we doing on the podcast? We just what were you going to say, motherfucker? <laughs> I'm like, I usually do a solo dolo, but I'm kicking with a homo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. You better hope they don't hear that shit. <laughs> I know, dude. I just called all this work when it went to shit. Dude, did you hear what the fuck that little kid did yesterday? So this little fucking kid yesterday, right? At Titi's house. What time was it? Eleven o'clock in the morning? Or at night, sorry. Eleven o'clock at night. Did I hear? I was there, motherfucker. God damn, you <laughs> woke, were there. Woke me up. <laughs> this motherfucker <laughs> straight knocked rang the ring bell, showed his face and On walked camera. away. Little bastard. That pissed me off. <laughs> that fool fucking dip. And the cat, like, why would you look directly in the camera? Mouth all open. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. That's Pissed of... off. She got off the phone. She never gets off the phone. Oh man, dude, she was on the was fucking. So she was on the phone the whole fucking time with us there. But then when the doorbell rang and no one was there. Oh, that was great. Shout to Rain, man. I said that we need to invest in some security like that. <clears throat> awesome, dude. Um, real fast, man. We gotta get down to the business. This podcast is actually sponsored, man. Let's give a big shout out to our sponsors, Coco Glow by Am. This is a spray tanning specialist located here in Bakersfield, California. She's ready to get your tan right, ladies and fellas. If you're into that type of stuff, this is gonna be an affordable option for you to take and take your beauty to the next level. This is appointment only, located at 612 18th Street. If you mentioned the STS podcast at Coco Glow by M, when you book, you're gonna get two. Um, Spray tans, and once you get that third one, 
for free. So that's buy three spray tents for the price of two. You buy two, you get one for free here at the STS Podcast. Again, contact Instagram.com, Coco underscore glow underscore buy underscore M. Why do they use the underscore so much? God damn. God damn, I don't. I wouldn't remember that shit. But you know what? The one thing I'm gonna remember when my heater get a little hot. It's about 95 degrees out here in the field. It's fucking hot. I know the truck got that ice cold AC. You know who did that right there? Monkey Smog Check and Repair, located at 1331 East Trucks and Avenue in Bakersfield, California. This local and family-owned repair shop specializes in breaking battery services, oil changes, smog checks, transmission repair, AC services, and more. And it shows you the love and support to our to our listeners, not customers. You guys ain't buying shit for me. Everyone, go to the Monkey Smog Check and Repair. And if you mention the STS Podcast, you're going to get $5 off your smog check. I know it's time to get those tags done. Especially your old-ass whips. They do everything $19.99 and above. Go get your smog check done now at Monkey Smog Check and Repair. And a new sponsor here at the STS Podcast. We got Just Snap It. Just snap it, photo booth. They have the goal of capturing your once-in-a-lifetime moments with your friends and family forever. Just snap it's experienced and totally, oh man, locally owned. I said totally owned. My eyesight's going away. Locally owned here in Bakersfield, California. This is a mobile photo booth, y'all. So they're going to travel to Los Angeles, San Diego, Fresno, and everywhere in between for your big day, your wedding, your sweet 16, your no more child support party, all that good stuff. And for our podcast family, if you book the... Just snap it photo booth. They're going to take $100 off your booking. That's $100 off the total. Make sure you book with them now at Instagram.com slash just snap it underscore. And we got one more. Totally. Totally. Captain G's Soul Food. Totally great food here in Bakersfield, California. It's a restaurant dedicated to your comfort filling of a good home-cooked meal. Captain G's is also family-owned and operated businesses located here in Bakersfield, California. Make sure you visit them now at 1201 Chester Avenue. Again, that's 1201 Chester Avenue. And if you mention the STS podcast, once you get your comida, they're going to take 10% off. You never thought you heard a little Espanol with some soul food. Good God. So, Virus, we got the sponsors knocked out. Um, I guess we'll just do this on wax. I just want to Give a big shout out to Virus Local for taking care of this this room that we got, this studio we got going on now. You put a lot of hard work in. How do your fingers feel? My fingers hurt. <laughs> <laughs> sand, I never seen the mother. We sand, you, you sanded it down. We just, I just bought the fucking sand blaster. Never knew there was a sand blaster. Never, I don't fuck with, I'm not Jesus. I'm not a fucking carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess I'm Jesus now. Call me Jesus. My name is not Byers anymore. <laughs> Jesus. Well. Yeah, my fucking fingers hurt. My back hurt. Can you talk at the goddamn mic? My fingers hurt from fucking sanding so much. Because this guy had a bright-ass idea. Oh, how about this table? I want to change the color. Thinking we could just paint over this motherfucker. No, you got to sand it. I he doesn't know. I don't know shit about he this. He don't know how to use a fucking screwdriver or a shovel or a shovel god damn hey man but uh virus does because virus knew he wasn't going to college like his daddy you <laughs> <laughs> had to make something work god damn god damn put two and two together motherfucker something something Shit. but yeah i appreciate you my god this the studio does not happen without you i know and uh you produce <laughs> <laughs> fuck you okay this producing thing that you got going on too i think you do swelling bro oh 
Gracias. You're welcome. We're on episode 85, but seriously, we're on episode 87 right now. We just had my guy Eric Hudgens here from uh, Monkeys. Monkeys. God damn. Damn. Like, damn. Night security. Night's watch private Night's security. Watch security. Damn. It's foul, dog. I know, dude. I can't believe I that just going to fuck you up. He looked pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> that motherfucker was big. Uh, well, we'll kind of be. We're, we're not behind. We're just putting a lot in the content in the bag because that's what we need. We just need to keep coming up with great content in my bag, bro. And uh, I think episode eighty-five is good. We got my guy Paul on here. He's one of these. He's he's uh, the founder of Six Six One Hoops Live. So that's gonna be our special guest for today's episode. I hope you guys really enjoy he, what he's doing for these kids, man. He's probably the spotlight on the central section um, athletes, uh, women, uh, females and males. Um, this you know just this big bowl here. We're in Kern County. It needs that spotlight, and then just to have someone like Paul do that. Shout out to Paul, man. I think he's doing a really good job. And uh, I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this, man. And I'm glad you guys tuned in again. This is episode 85. Where the fuck does time go? I don't know. Well, I guess... I, the fuck? I, I, mean, I don't even know why the fuck I asked you. <laughs> Damn. Time. What is time? Time is... What is it? Time is an illusion. I don't fuck. I don't know. Time, is, an, time is a man. It's an illusion. Dude, what do you think about the aliens? Man, you see that guy? I don't know if we, I didn't tell you that yet. No, what's up? Of course, me being a fucking nobody watching TV and shit. Oh, okay. That guy in the suit is like, yeah, the U. I'm not telling you this. The U.S. government's telling you this. So, damn. Damn. Yeah. Yes or no would have sufficed, motherfucker. You gotta yell at me on TV. Oh man, dude. There's, I'm telling you, there's fucking aliens. Now everybody wants to believe it. I've been telling you, motherfuckers, that. Sorry for cussing. So are they aliens that. or what do you think they are? They're Just, aliens. What's an alien though? They look like ET or are they fucking octopus? You think it's an octopus? Octopus or something like that. So they're not human. No. Well, shit, I don't know. I don't know either. So my thing was, do they, are they living forever? Do they live longer than us? They probably do. I'm sure they're smarter than us, 100. percent Look at the they're technology. The next, they're a next life form. Oh, that's scary. That's what they turn into when they live for years and years and years and years. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I know they're fast as hell. Did I you, seen him fall from. from like, did you see the sixty-two? Yeah, the I'm sixty thousand like, drop in two seconds. That's in a, the ocean. That's, Nobody believes me. And eighty percent of the ocean is undiscovered. Yeah, because every time we chart these waters, they fucking they yeah. snatch the airplanes, the boats. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here, Bermuda Triangle, aliens. Aliens. And we want to explore Mars and the moon. And yeah, shit. good luck, motherfucker. They like come inside my house and trying to go to my room. Good it's luck. Gonna happen. Good yeah. luck. And so it's been a real interesting couple hours what they what they have going on. Even the other day we we're looking at that's the 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 is ah, the Israel missiles that hit Palestine. You see how fast those were? Man. That is some US funded shit. They need to get over that shit. Obviously it's like I don't know what the hell they're doing. It's a holy war. Holy man. war, like a mother you see that little girl? I know, dude. I'm only ten. And she lost both her parents? She lost something. But I don't know. I seen the video today, I was like, man. Dude, there's so much shit going on in the world right now. And again, we're not a political podcast, but goddamn, a lot of these people that we voted for co-signed for this shit. Even the people we voted for in the past, they all let Israel run amok. I'm not saying they're wrong or they're right. We have no dog in the fight. We're worried about motherfucking 93307 motherfuckers. But it's yeah. crazy, dude. Uh, yeah. yeah, damn. Motherfuckers need to have a sit down and have a cup of tea or something. Hey, come on, it's just podcast. You need to do something. Because killing kids and shit like that. 
It's horrible. Horrible. It's horrible, man. I don't know, but this has been going on since. Ah, oh, years, hundreds decades of years. And shit. Yeah, man. There's just when it's a holy war, there's no negotiations or whatnot. Just fucking <laughs> got like a blood oath. Like fuck him. <laughs> Do you remember that one? In- I remember this a long time ago. It was an interview. He's like, we don't, we don't want to sit down. There's no amount of money. We're doing this to the death, and we're okay. We're dying because we're dying for our God. And they're but- taught that shit from like birth. 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 Like you're gonna hate these motherfuckers. So here it's an honor to die for this shit yeah, too. Like, like this is a badge of honor. God damn! The world is crazy. We think we have it so bad here, and I know we got some. We got some bad shit in the United States of America, but look at the world, man. Look at these. Uh, a, a neighborhood was abolished in fucking fifteen seconds. Damn. And I'm tripping off the Wi-Fi going out. These motherfuckers. We the got these houses going down. Fucking, we're worried about what fucking color paint we're gonna paint the walls and shit. Sandy, where are my fingers and shit? These kids ain't got no walls now. And you gotta think, what happens to these kids, man? They lose their parents, their families getting killed. The brothers are getting killed. Like, what the fuck? What are we? They're gonna be stuck on the streets, just like Afghanistan. You know what they do at nine years old, eight years old? No heroin. I bet everybody's on that shit over there. I watched the documentary. No, because Afghanistan's like that is that's where they get it from. That's where that's. And you want to go into conspiracy theories? Why do they want Afghanistan for those little poppy fields and whatnot? Right? Mm -hmm. Crazy dude. So, I don't know, man. I don't know how we got to that conversation, but it's really important that we have that. I think people are just so... The world's fucked up. You know how fucked up the world is right now? Yeah. They confirmed aliens, and nobody gives a fuck about it right now. Yeah. <laughs> they're so fu- they're so fast, we can't even track them on radar with our best equipment, with the most advanced we technology. We can. We just can't put that shit out. Yeah. There's a lot more, but they're not going to tell us. Yeah, I'm sure they're not going to tell us. The mob killed JFK and shit. Yeah. It's a bad rap. It's definitely. But the, I think they expected chaos, but we have so much going on in the world. We just went through a pandemic. I don't think there's anything we can't handle. Whatever. That's it. That's all you got. That's all you got, huh? Right. Yeah, dude. It's it's a, um, it's a very this, weird time. This place sucks. It's a very, very weird time. And you know <clears> what? <throat> Good God. I think um, I made a little mistake, but we'll fix that later. I'm not tripping on that. But that's what these tests are for. But that's what these tests are for. Isn't uh, the- rest in peace, New Jack. Oh man, dude, we could talk about that real fast. Rest in peace, New Jack, man. Um, one of your favorite wrestlers. It's always been your guy. <laughs> the gangster. <laughs> fucking New Jack. God, that motherfucker was nutty, dude. You see my knuckles? You know? No, you don't. Cause there's none. That's <laughs> like punching the bitch in the eye. <laughs> that was said I want to be seventy years old in a wheelchair sniffing cocaine. Oh, laughing. That laugh he did was weird. God, like, dude. He knew he was gonna die. It was amazing to see Paul Heyman speak on him like that on WWE yeah. TV. Like he was an ECW original. And at the end of the day, it, like Donut said, bad good. You still remember him. He's entertaining. He was really entertaining. He, be- you believed his shit. I still believe New Jack because he was doing what the hell he was for, stabbing people in the ring. What was that old man? Oh, Gypsy, Gypsy Joe. Gypsy Joe. Fuck Gypsy Joe up. Yeah, man. Well, they made him mad. Yeah. Can't call him. Oh, I can't say the N word, but they're calling him. But yeah, they're calling you more, man. Yeah, man. It was a, it was a really interesting character that wrestling just lost. Never would make it mainstream, man. But he definitely left a mark on the, 
on the on the on the diehard fans. He had a chance. They said, "Don't whatever you do, do not go up to Vince McMahon. Don't tell him hi or nothing." He said, "Fuck that." Hey man, <laughs> I'm New Jack. <laughs> and then here's you pay for the night. You can stay and watch the show. We're and not going on. Damn. Damn. <laughs> it's crazy you with Brian Pillman. He's back in the back in oh, the mouths man. of people. Like he's back in. I guess he's relevant for the meantime. Just see what that guy went through. He was special. He was always. We always knew that too. We were Brian Pillman's fans as we were yeah. kids. We used to have action figures of Brian Pillman. He was special, dude. Brian Pillman. Poor guy. I don't even know his kids suffered that much after he died. Like you would think these guys, we think these guys on TV have it all figured out, but these know. motherfuckers are living check to check too. I didn't know his wife, his first wife, killed herself. Shit. What the fuck was up with that? And his other wife, like, feel that shit. That bitch was crazy too. She was on some things. Yeah, when your teeth are missing like that, you're not sixty years older. Older. Yeah, you're going through something, you're my guy. Doing something you're definitely not supposed to be doing. Yeah, so rest in peace, Brian Pillman. It's pretty. It's it, it's cool to see that spotlight back on him, though. The dark side of wrestling. Who would have thought it went this far? It's pretty good. Stone Cold being Stone on Cole it. Is on there. Stone Cold being on it is a great, great stamp of approval, dude. Did you watch the new one? I have not watched the, uh, Nick, the Nick Gage one. Nick, yeah. Jim Cornette's in my mind, dude. He makes me not want to watch it because it is some bullshit wrestling. It's fucking um. It's it's death match wrestling. Yeah. I've never been a death match wrestling it's wrestling not, guy. Yeah, it's. And then he fought uh, David Arquette. He's the one that fucked up David Arquette yeah, this last like, time. Don't, don't cut my face on my actor. You pull a pizza cutter out. Fucked him up. Man. Yeah, and he's all, he's all strung out and shit. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, that death match. That's, I don't know why they allow that. That's like It's barbaric. It's cool, but it's not like... It's not wrestling in my eyes. I don't know. Like, that shit is for, like, people who... You like pain? I mean, I could take it, but I don't want to get hit with a stab and shit. You know what would scare me? Those fucking caressing, those fluorescent lights. Oh, there's a scene on there. Oh, my God. They're set up all around the ring, and he gets thrown through it, and the pop, the top pops off, and it stabs him on the side, oh. and it hits his artery. So he picks his arm up, and the shit is just squirting out. Oh. But he's like, I want to die in the ring. Let me go back. And I'm like, no, he can't go. He's like, well, get this on fucking camera. I want to go. You won't let me. <laughs> oh, man. I don't I, like paying that much. I don't like paying that much either, bro. Like, the, oh man, the shit they do in that, that CZW shit. I didn't even know Moxley was really into that type of stuff. That's where he came. He was training there. I did shit. not know that. See, and they, some, there's some guys I think that Moxley brought down his value by appearing on that shit. Yeah. By just admitting that you were involved in that, you bring down your value as a, as a traditional... <clears throat> I guess mainstream wrestler, you know what I mean? I like John Moxley. I like I John Moxley I went too. to WrestleMania in 2015, I think. Where was it? In Santa Clara, right? It yeah. was 15. It yeah. was 15. That was the first time I seen him. He jumped from the rope and hit his head on this, the ladder step. Yeah. And just took it. Like, he got up like whatever. I was like, oh man, this guy's fucked up. Yeah. Like, no wonder why. I didn't know he was in CZW. Like, those guys are nuts. I get where they bring it down as value, but I'm all for it. If that's what he wants to do, let's do that it. That shit is weird. They let the crowds bring like any kind of weapon you want, and they're gonna. <laughs> they promise you they'll use it in the show if you pay them like twenty dollars and shit like that. But, I could be wrong, so if you like CZW, I'm getting it wrong. Let's fight, I guess. <laughs> Let's um, have a death match. Fuck yeah, in my backyard. I would love to have a death match with Big Sada. Oh man, <laughs> I would love to. Man, he can't go forever, dog. His engine can't last forever. 
He take no. one, he takes one good hit in the nose. He's gonna be distracted for at least five yeah, seconds. But he's fucking Prince Goro. And you're Arlene and shit. Oh no, dude! I might get one hit on him. <laughs> Damn. He's, gonna, he's gonna eat that shit too. Oh, dude! That the video that you showed of the girl getting hit with the bat. Oh man! Everybody was putting comments. Oh, she ate that. She ate, yeah, <laughs> she ate that shit. I would have screwed up. I probably would have cried. I'm not gonna lie. I would have fell on the ground, fucking mad as fuck. She lucky it was in a wooden bat. Aluminum, yeah, you might take. I've been hit with the aluminum bat before. Aluminum bat is a hollow. Yeah. Okay, wooden bat. Yeah, wooden bat. Wooden bat. I should probably kill their ass. Tough. I seen somebody get hit with the wooden bat one time. Oh man. I was like, I was at a (laughs) whose house was that? I think I was at Alex's house, and there's a big old fight, and this fool just popped out a wooden bat and hit the dude in the back. Hey, but (laughs) he said, ah, he tried to reach his back. I always thought the guys who um. Was it Alex's? I don't know whose house it was. Somebody got hit with the bat. I was like, oh, shit. I always thought the guys who had the balls to hit motherfuckers with objects like that were really real ones. Because <laughs> yeah. that means you don't give a shit about people's lives. <laughs> you gotta hit somebody sometimes. But damn, with a bat. I would have fucking hit someone with a bat. If someone was beating your ass like three guys, oh, I want to hit everyone. I want to hit the biggest one with the bat. Got to. I was at a party with my buddies one time during the summer, and there's... Something happened. They started up, of course. And there's a metal pipe right there. Like, they had some weight to it. And I got it. And I just chucked it at this dude. <laughs> and it hit him right in the forehead. Bah! It just started leaking. I'm like, oh, man. What is the go? craziest foreign object you ever see someone hit with that at a party? <laughs> man. I have a great one. We'll have all the Dutch typers. Let me think. Um, it had to be. Was it the grandma with the broom? <laughs> no, that was a good one. But I seen what what the fuck was it? The um I'll tell you one. This homie was there was a fight and the homie <laughs> there was a sprinkler system. This fool broke the sprinkler system and hit that fool with the pipe. I was fucking rolling. <laughs> oh god. That fool broke the sprinkler pipe, dog. I started swinging that motherfucker. <laughs> Usually like <laughs> She was awesome. Yeah. What else have I seen someone hit something with, dude? God. 40 ounces, of course. That was, oh, yeah. that was awesome, too. Horrible experience, but that was awesome to see. I'm trying to think. Like, what's a fucked up one? Hmm. You know the the weight? When you, the fucking little thing you hold with yeah. the wheel to do, like, crunches or oh, whatever? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a fight and this fool just popped out with it. Fucking <laughs> got it. And he just threw it at this fool's face. Bah! Yeah. And the plastic, you know when he hits something hard? And the Most. plastic goes everywhere. Like, <laughs> That's horrible. You know I, mean? I don't know. I see people shot at a party and shit. That's like, ah. But when he sees when he pick up a solid object and throw, throw it that on, or hit him with it, oh, it's the greatest. I think it's, I, I think it's, hilarious. it's kind of, it's not funny, but it's like, it's now funny you, as fuck, you think back at it, it's hilarious. <laughs> Funny. Fuck, man. What else is there? I seen somebody get hit with the weight before. That was pretty oh, bad. God. You would think, man, they could fuck they kill somebody. Kill somebody. And this fool was just banging him with him. Like, <laughs> he got up and just started chunking him. <laughs> That's because they're drunk and shit. They don't feel it. So Bad drilling. The next morning, me. though, he was off. His teeth are missing and shit. Oh, God. Oh, man. That's good shit. I see some crazy shit, dude. But yeah, I think this, the, the guy grabbing the sprinkler and breaking that shit just started swinging. That was a desperation move. The coolest he, story ever is fucking Wampon. 
he's at the bowling alley with his brother-in-law. And when his brother-in-law gets drunk, he gets a little brave and shit. Yeah. So he started talking shit to Wampon. So Wampon gave him a... Socked him once. Slept him. He looked up. He's like, I still got it. And the fucking cop comes. Rookie. Straight out of fucking academy. And yeah. All that. He's trying to handle Wampon, but Wampon's drunk. He's like, man, get the fuck off me. He's like, nah, nah. You're going to jail. The fucking Wampon starts tussing with the cop. <laughs> fights the cop. And everybody's recording it. The fucking cop's badge pops out. The weight belt. Fuck. The wherever it is. Where fucking belt it is. Yeah. Whoops the cop's ass. That's and I know because I watched this shit on video. We, uh, we don't got to tell what happened, but damn, that's fucked up. Uh, yeah, the cop was like, Gee, make everybody delete this shit. Delete the videos. And I'll I'll take them in on only in a public intoxication. Damn. He whooped the cop's ass. I bet. I was like, God. Wampon ain't no joke. He tussled with a few people we've seen. That's my, yeah, that's my friend. Anybody could tussle a big side of the ring. That was one of the wildest shits I've ever seen in my life. Good God. And the cop kept his word. Wampon called me an hour later from County. Hey, virus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in jail again, man. Got that. Call my girlfriend for me. He's like, God damn, man. Yeah, what's your number, dude? I lost it. Bye. Shout out to Wampon. Good time. This was a uh, statute of limitations, all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> this Whatever. is this is past statute of limitations. We are yeah. free to tell the story, and uh, no people uh, were hurt during this uh, incident at all. But uh, no one was hurt during this episode, y'all. This is gonna be an exclusive podcast because it's fucking five thirty. I've been doing podcasts for the last three it's hours. Five thirty, right? Yes, it is. And we're gonna be out, and this is gonna be episode eighty-five of the SDS podcast. My name is Ernie C, the Gap Tooth Genius. Jesus. Oh, we have carpenter. Jesus. Jesus the carpenter. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Don't fucking. Uh, Jesus is going to get mad at me. Oh, God. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Ernie C, the Gap Genius. And on the special edition of the 85th episode here at the STS Podcast, I got Paul Hernandez, Coach Paul of 661 Hoops in the building. Paul, what's up, bro? What's good, my man? How you doing tonight, E? Man, good, bro. Just grinded, my guy. I'm really happy we, uh, we got this. We got this going. I know it's been, um, what was it that, we've been kind of busy, but it was really easy to schedule with you, bro. Appreciate you coming on, man. No doubt, man. I appreciate you guys having me on here, and uh, and I definitely appreciate the platform, for sure. I really was looking forward to seeing you last week, man. I knew that was supposed to be our first game of the season. You're always looking forward to seeing some familiar faces, and um, it didn't happen, but I hope you guys have a healthy season this year. I know you co- you're coaching at Ridgeview, right? Correct. Yeah, I'm the assistant coach uh, under uh, Mike Martin. You know, Mike's been there for a while now on the girls and the boys side. So, um, yeah, it's 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 been a crazy season. It really has. You know, um, I don't know if you want to jump into that first or if you kind of want to. We know what, Paul. Let's just get your history, my guy. How did you start coaching basketball and just finding your love for the game? Yeah. So. Um, Grew up just diehard fan of basketball. Love, always have loved the game. Uh, played when I was younger in high school, and then you know I, I just wasn't wasn't the ideal high school student. Didn't really pan out for me in a variety of areas in in high school. So uh, once I got out of high school, <clears throat> oh again, stayed stayed close to the game. I was always playing and stuff. And then uh, when I really kind of got into coaching was when my son started playing basketball. Um, probably like through BUA. I want to say the first time I think I coached anything was through BUA back in the day with the Shilohs mm-hmm. um, when they were doing it at that little small complex off of uh, District Boulevard. It was like that small little indoor gym. Um, so I just kind of picked it up. And again, initially it was one of those things where, you know, my son wanted to play good Avenue for us to work together. 
Um, and then I coached him uh, at Laurel Glen Elementary. And then I moved, kind of just kind of progressed with him um, when he went to Tevis Junior High, his seventh grade year. Uh, the Panama Buena Vista schools, they only have like one team, not a seventh and an eighth grade. And so I was really fortunate. I inherited a team that had probably one of the best junior high teams, middle school teams ever in this area. Uh, you had Kadar Waller, you had um, Lawrence Giroux, you had uh, Taj Wright that was, you know, a really good football player and basketball player. Um, Daniel um, Viveros was on that team too. Really solid squad. They don't think they lost a game. And so the following year, all those guys graduated out. Lawrence Daru was still there. They had a really good eighth grade group. And then, you know, we had some pretty solid seventh graders, including my son. And uh, from there, it kind of just kind of kept growing and taking off. And I'd already started coaching uh, club ball at that point too. I was coaching with um, Marco with uh, Team Havoc. Okay. And um, by, you know, seventh, seventh grade, I kind of switched over to uh, Cal Bombers with Mark Heiser. Mm -hmm. And uh, from there, it kind of just, again, it continued to grow. A lot of those kids that played on that eighth grade team at Tevis, we lost like three games that year, we went like 36 and three or something crazy like that, lost in the county championship game, but was really able to kind of take that group, add a few pieces from around Bakersfield and, um, you know, really just kind of progressed that way with AU ball. Um, I had a really solid squad. I ended up coaching with the Bombers and also with Third World with Jesse Soto uh, for a couple of years. And um, so about about seven, eight years total, you know, as far as coaching club ball and school ball, um, still coaching at Ridgeview is, you know, helping out there as well as an assistant. Um, not really doing much with AU ball anymore. And a lot of that has to do with kind of the transitioning of things, moving more into, you know, scouting and stuff like that. But that's that's really what it's been with basketball. You know, when I started coaching, it was more just to kind of get into it with my son and be there with him. And then it kind of took on a life of its own where I wasn't even really coaching him anymore. I had my own team that I was coaching and then he had another team he would play on, you know? So that kind of helped, I think, more with with really kind of trying to solidify the coaching spot and really learn the game from a coaching perspective and not being tied directly to my kid. I think it helped me grow a lot because I didn't have that kind of in my back of my head at all times. You know what I mean? Which could be challenging. You know, your son, I know you want, you know, you want to have him where he think you think he needs to be at. So I guess that would be a challenge to kind of separate the two. How is it, you know, with this season at Ridgeview, how is that transition going so far? Uh, just as far as the season in general? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, you know, it's been tough. I mean, we started off the, you know, the, the opening weeks were about, I think, three weeks ago now um, on the 28th. So we had our first two games against Independence. Mm -hmm. uh, we're lacking a lot of size at Ridgeview right now. It's just, you know, it's it's definitely not the teams that they had with the uh, McCalls and the Roberts and, you know, the Martins and those guys. So it, it's a different look. It's very guard heavy. Um, we, we don't have a whole lot of size in town in general. You know, I know if you look around, you look what, teams had just two years ago in 2019 compared to now totally different than dilemma we just have no size and uh so it's you know we're, we're definitely the team that lacks a lot of size so we're very guard heavy we played independence really tough i'll be honest i was a little shocked how well we played them we lost by i want to say 11 and 14 i think mm -hmm. uh, but you're talking about the returning you know defending valley champions division two valley champions um roster that's pretty loaded with cam brown um you know tyron tyler levi latu is there now who used was at bchs before uh, michael pineda's over there he was at gsa last year so they got a good little squad um and for us to hang pretty well 
And then last week we had our games canceled. We were supposed to play Highland, you know, so we had those canceled. And then tonight it just showed, you know, Golden Valley has been playing a lot of games. Um, Coach Hurd's had them, you know, being smart about it. You know, games get canceled, pick up some other games. And so I think they've played six games. Wow. And so we played them tonight and it was, we had just a bad second quarter. It got ugly quick and they got size, you know, Golden Valley does. Hurd's got some size over there. Markel Brooks is 6'6". Kambani Jackson's like 6'4". Jermaine Dabbs, their main, you know, their main player is about 6'2", 6'3". So they have a lot of size and length and that it just, it wore us down really quickly. We had a good second half. It was just the first half was so bad. It didn't matter at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think what you're seeing right now is there's just so much, we've had too much practice time and not enough game time. So everything that's worked in practice, well, if we don't have size and we're playing a team like Golden Valley with a ton of size, there's no way we can prepare for that in practice. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, yeah, missing the game reps last week definitely took its toll tonight. So we were supposed to play, um, Again, fingers crossed, you know what I mean? Uh, but we're set to play uh, Liberty the next two nights. Uh, at, at home tomorrow and then over at the Patriots' house on um, on uh, on Thursday. Beautiful. How's it, how's it been the challenge as far as keeping your guys locked in with such a, you know, with such a compressed season, a shortened season? Yeah, I, I think, you know, there there's just a lot of angst. I think with the seniors, especially my son being a senior, a couple of the seniors on the team, I think, I think it really depends on what they were doing outside of school ball. I think kids that have been playing, um, you know, there's been a lot of kids playing for the last year. Um, basketball didn't stop, whether it was here in Kern County, you know what I'm saying? There was stuff going on at GSA. Uh, there's a lot of hoops going on in Arizona, Utah, surrounding states type of stuff. Um, so some kids that have been playing, I feel like they're not as like rushed for stuff, but I think a lot of kids that, you know, I think with high school basketball in Kern County, you have a lot of kids on teams that, you know, they don't maybe have the resources or they just aren't tapped into that. Mm-hmm. So they're real just school ball players, you know what I mean? And so I think for them, it's, it's just the, the uncertainty. I think, you know, I think the, I think the kids get frustrated. Oh, we got to go do our COVID tests again. You know, like we got to do it again. And, and the frustration I think for some of them is a lot of the other sports that are going on right now that are outdoor sports, they don't have to test. Exactly. And so they're like, it's not fair, but I'm like, you have to understand the only reason you were given a season is we, not we, but as, as athletic departments across districts throughout the state had to agree to basically meeting the requirements that the college and the professionals have been doing. And that's the only reason we were even able to argue to have a season. Yes. So it's like once that, once they agreed to it, the state agreed to saying, okay, cool. We'll let you have seasons but you have to follow these guidelines. It was kind of like a matter of, okay, well, there's no way that all these kids are going to clear. So I think just, just the, the rigor of it, but I I'll tell you this much, man, from, from the perspective of just Ridgeview um, players have been pretty positive. You know what I'm saying? They've, they've, they've kept a good, uh, good spirit tonight was again, it was a tough loss. I think they came in thinking that we'll get this one. We hung tough against independence. So this team, you know, theoretically isn't as good and, so I think, you know, I, I think where it's hurting them the most is is when games miss and then you're filling it with practice time. At some point, does it just feel like, are we just practicing out here? You know what I mean? So I think that's been the hard part. And then also, you know, not having um, the, the classroom dilemma that's hit students this year, mm-hmm. you know. And so the student athletes that are playing basketball, you know, there was no requirement with regards to GPAs this year. 
because it's just too hard to do, you know? And so we've got kids playing that I think are struggling in the classroom as well. And not just, I mean, I know that's going on at other, you know, other schools and other areas, whether Bakersfield or not, you know? And so I think, I think there's just, but I, I do feel that the, a lot of kids are appreciating it just because they've been cooped up for a year, yeah. you know what I mean? So just being out and about, being in the school gym, I think all those things are good. They, they've handled it well. I've been pleased. I think tonight was the first time we had a little bit of tension. You know what I mean? Uh, it never hurts, so I think. No, no, not at all. I think we definitely need a little adversity. I know with us at Highland, just from a Highland perspective, it was great until we got knocked. And it's yeah. like, man, all this time, that you know, they're not just the coaches, but for the players, they're playing. They're giving us everything we asked them to do. And we thought, you know, Rich would be a good little see where we're at because, we, you know, in practice, we really can't see where we're at. We can run stuff and do what we got to do, but yeah. how are we going to react when we're down by 10? How are we going to react when we're up by 10? What works? What rotations are we going to go with? Like, things like that are still unanswered on our end. And that thing afterwards kind of – we get a little anxious. And, yeah, you're right. Are we just going to practice? Are we just practice? When are we going to get into the game? Yeah. And I think – And I think so, – wow, you guys are, what, here next week? Yes. But I think okay. – when we get back, I think we may have one against North, and we only have two more after that. So total yeah. three games, and it's you know it's kind of discouraging, especially for our seniors who are looking yeah. forward to at least making a mark the last six games. You know, kind of go out the way they want to go out. So it's interesting, man. I think um, it's going to be one of those things. We're going to see how tough we are, how mentally tough we're going to be in the next few weeks. Um, Paul, real fast, just before we go into your scouting, man, I wanted to kind of talk to you as an assistant coach. What would you say would be, you know, something like every assistant coach, the qualities that we we need to um, continue to be where our head coach needs to be at, our attributes, I guess you could say. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man, it's it's been hard for me. You know what I mean? I, I've talked to Mike a little bit about this and Eric, especially Eric's, you know, the JV coach and also the assistant varsity coach as well. And this has been the first time I've ever been an assistant coach. You know what I mean? And so for me, it's really been hard to kind of figure a role and I think the reason it's been hard is at the same time over the last kind of year and a half, two years, I really kind of really wanted to kind of kick this scouting service, you know, at least the foundations of it off. And so there's been some conflicting for me as an assistant coach, I'll be honest. And, and it's, it's made me realize like, okay, I've got to pick and choose at some point mm -hmm. because it is distracting. You know what I mean? It's hard for me to, to be a good assistant. I think you really have to understand what the, uh, what the head coach needs from you. You know what I mean? There is, there's the head voice. And then as an assistant coach, you know, you have certain jobs. And I think for me, what the hardest part has been is adapting to those qualities that are ne necessary. Cause I still see the game through the lens of a head coach. Mm -hmm. And also as someone who just watches a lot of basketball and scouts a lot of basketball, you know, so I see things. And again, it's not that I think it's be done, you know, right or wrong necessarily. It's just that like, I have a two cents that I want to throw in. So it's knowing when to pick and choose those times to voice yourself as an assistant coach. Mm -hmm. And I think really kind of by, you know, getting to know the players and, and where they fit in the scheme of things, I think helping with rotations uh, and substitutions is huge as an assistant coach. Um, and, and again, that's the time you get to spend with those players, get to figure out, you know, if you got your starting five, who are going to be your first two to go in? And those two need to be able to complement the three that are remaining on the court. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then you chop the subs up from there. So I think that's been something I, as a head coach, you know, again, especially with AAU ball, a lot of the time coaching by yourself, you know what I mean? You got a roster of eight or nine dudes, they can all go. It's really like, I'm trying to mix match dudes here and there. 
So I think for me as an assistant coach, it's one being an extension of the head coach, but also having not necessarily the same exact vision as the head coach. You know what I mean? I think a staff can be better off if not every, if, if, if all the assistant coaches aren't just yes men, you know what I mean? Yes. But also kind of knowing when it's picking and choosing the right times. So those discussions on when you may see something different happen away from the players. You know what I'm saying? You never want to give the players the sense that there's a division within the coaching decision-making because that gives them an easy out to start bickering, chipping away, arguing about playing time, arguing about who should be on because they hear the coaches doing it. So I think as an assistant coach also, it's really important to just make sure when the eyes are on you, you know, push come to shove, I'm back in the head coach. It's his call. It's his decision. Whether or not I ultimately agree with it doesn't even matter. You know what I'm saying? Because that really, in my opinion, models well for players what the real world's like. You know what I mean? You're going to have a boss. You're going to have a manager below the boss. And then you're going to be below them, you know, and that the players are at the bottom. I feel like the assistant coaches are kind of like the managers. You know what I mean? And then the head coach is, is the CEO of the organization, of the team. Mm-hmm. And I think if it falls into those categories and everyone kind of an understands and adapt their roles, but I think at the end of the day, communication is the ultimate thing that allows all that to, to flourish or not flourish. <laughs> no, I understand. I'm, I think that was a blessing about Twitter the last five years. We're really open, really had a lot of communication. Yeah. And now that this is my, my first year helping with varsity, it's like, okay, now I'm still trying to figure out my role. Like you said, first year guys, trying to figure out real it's a vital thing for us at least mentally for me I'm like I don't want I'm not overstepping boundaries I don't want to step on anybody's feet I yeah. want to learn from them yeah. and it's like like you said extension of voice I always said we're the echo of the head coach yeah I always like to play kind of like the other side of the fence like well, this is what he means this is what you do well but it's how you get better so yeah. it's always that it's that constant battle of how do I fit in this you know what's already established too you know because Shout out to Scott Smith and all the guys. They've been there for a while now, helping, you know, I feel like three years now. So how do I fit in this puzzle? So it's been really um, interesting, but a lot, you know, learning from Domo and Wes and just everybody I've come across, including yourself, just learning little things like, okay, maybe like this could help us out right now. Let me yeah. pull this out my bag, you know? So well, and, I, and I think too, you know, you hit a good point. Like coming into the Ridgeview system, you know, you've got someone like Mike Martin, who's won Valley Championships on the girls' side. Coach Erica McCall, you know what I'm saying? Arguably the best player to ever come out of Bakersfield. And then on the guy's side with a team, like with, you know, he's the last person to have a team that I can recall in this area where you had three division one guys on the roster. You know, you had McCall, you had Roberts and then LJ, you know what I mean? Like Zegner. It's like, dude, like that's so, so to come in and try to like be assertive with anything would almost be ignorant. You know what I mean? Cause it's real, it's real easy for the head coach to just point up at the rafters and be like banners, bro, what you hanging? You know what I mean? So exactly was, 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 I think it was a good transition and, and, and I'm glad it was with a coach that had accomplished things because again, for me, the toughest part has been learning how to just, you know, roll with the flow of things. And, and I've, I've, what I've really found lately is like, I just do the book. You know what I mean? Like, give me the book. Let me do the book. That way I stay focused on that. And then I don't start overanalyzing things in my head while the game's going on. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's so hard, dude, not to overanalyze things again. That's why I'm kind of dreading, like, how am I going to feel during this game? Because I know what I was taught to do, but I'm like, yeah. okay, a whole new role now. I'm like, what am mm-hmm. I supposed to do? So I'm constantly asking Scott, too, what do you yeah. need me to do? Even game day, I think we found out, like, five hours before tip-off, bro. 
I'm yep. all day. I'm screaming at school game day, happy as hell. Ask yep. about, hey, what are we doing? What 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 roles do you need me to do? And next thing you know, just the, the plug is pulled. I was like, man, that was so damn. I can't imagine the kids felt. So well, I think that's a key thing too. Like as far as an assistant coach is really kind of not coddling the players, but kind of providing that because because. I remember getting the phone call from our AD. And as soon as I saw it on my phone, I was like, I don't even want to answer this. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even want to answer. But at the same time, it was like, okay, take it in, you know, called my kid, told him. And then it went in the group chat to all the players and stuff. You know, they're bumming this and that. I'm like, look, man, like we already knew that any game we get this year is a game you weren't even going to have originally. Like, because again, you know how it was two months ago. None of us thought this was even going to be a season. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I mean, like I didn't, I didn't expect to have students back in my classroom this year. Yeah. You know what I mean? So in a matter of a month, the whole game switched up and it's like, okay, but I think it's a good way also to kind of illustrate and highlight gratitude to players. Like, look, man, this was not given to you. Like we haven't been able to get in this facility all year. And the expectation was we won't. And the fact that we are, we just have to be appreciative of those games because end of the day, it's a game. You know what I mean? And like, there's bigger life stuff out there that a lot of people are dealing with. So trying to keep that perspective but it's hard you know what i mean so hard in the back of my mind i'm thinking i'm lying to these kids i'm thinking i just wanted to play <laughs> yeah dude that's my biggest issue right now it's like especially we coming the last four years at the hill we want we we playing to win everything mm -hmm. doing every practice everything matters we're doing something that applies to the game yep. and now it's like oh we're just happy to be out here to play it's a privilege which it is yeah. but i'm so used to that it's like that warrior mentality i want to win yes. we'll do Let's do what we have to do. And if you're not with it, then you can just sit on the 12th man and we'll see you practice. You be a good practice player. You know, like stuff like that. It's not, and that's cool. I, I have to humble myself sometimes too. But mm -hmm. it is just the game. Even AJ, with AJ last week coming on. Yeah, um, that's right. It was, you know, just the bigger things and bigger than basketball sometimes, which we, we know that too when we're doing, you know, we're leaders of young men. But at the end of the day, why are we in here? We're here to win, you know? And yeah. it's really challenging. You're right, Paul. It's challenging, man. Um, real fast before we get into your scouting, I just want to, again, thank you coming on, bro. I know right now basketball is what every sport's on right now, but I just want to put the spotlight just on Ridgeview Ball, yourself. Uh, that's kind of why I wanted to put this platform. You know, the podcast I think is fun, but coaches where my heart's at too, man. Yeah. So have you come on? It's been really, it's, a, it's an honor, my guy. Um, I appreciate it. want to be honest with you. With the 661 Hoops, this is a scouting service, right? Correct. I want you to kind of put my viewers and I in the game because I'm not, you know, I love to coach high school ball, but I'm a little bit outside of the, you know, you're going, you're traveling places, you're, man, you keep me kind of in tune what's going on because I'm not really out there like that. Can you kind of explain how you got the inspiration to start this scouting service? Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, right now it's, you know, I, I, I say scouting slash media, you know what I'm saying, service. There's nothing official as far as we haven't gotten licensed as a, uh, with the scouting service officially yet. That's kind of in the pipeline for building some, some ground-based stuff first, you know. So really how everything started was um, through coaching AAU ball, you know what I'm saying, coaching club ball. Again, I had, I was fortunate. Um, the last year that I which was 2019, so kind of the last year where there was really big AAU ball before everything kind of went into the high school season and definitely before COVID, but we never got around to the 2020 AAU season. You know what I mean? So, um, but I had some really good teams back to back. I coached a team, I uh, was coaching with Third World with Jesse Soto, and it was my first year with him. And I had a team that was just, it was a 16U squad, man, and they were fun. It was a ton of talent. I, Elijah Carter was on that team. 
Uh, Lyndall Henderson Jr. played with me for the summer part of the AAU season. Um, Samson Ackerman from BC, or they graduated at BHS last year. So quite a few of the 2020 grads, uh, matter of fact. So guys that just graduated last year. And we just had a really solid team. We had size, we had guard play, we had shooters. Um, and, and that team accomplished a lot of success. And I think they went like 36 and six that year, won like five or six tournaments. We competed well in really big tournaments. It was the last year they did Fab 48. And so after that season, I was taking groups to different, you know, different camps, whether it was senior showcase stuff or whether it was um, individual uh, player camps. I took a few of them to like uh, one of the Pangos All West camps, Pangos Senior Diamond in the Rough Showcase, um, the West Coast Elite into summer camp. And so those dudes were generating buzz because people were like, who, specifically Elijah Carter, people were like, who is this six five guard? from Bakersfield that no one even knows about, you know what I'm saying? How is this kid not noticed? You know what I mean? And so that kind of, we were going to tournaments. I was going to events. I was kind of just doing live streaming video, you know, just live streaming games on my phone, just as a way to kind of hype stuff media wise. You know, I was watching, basically I was able to watch a lot of high level AAU basketball with quality players live streaming it. But when I started taking players to events and was posting about it, I was at an event, um, so this would have been 20, yeah, it would have been, it would have been like March of 2019. It was the year when Isaiah Hill and Kadar Waller and that whole group, Elijah Carter, all them were seniors. Well, there was like three senior events that I went to, was taking players to uh, Beach City Hoops, AC from Beach City Hoops put one on, took some players to that one, like a team of eight dudes. And, uh, you know, they did really well, generated a lot of hype at that event. And then, um, uh, he also had an all-star game and Kadar and Isaiah Hill were playing in that all-star game. It was in, um, it was in Long Beach. And so I was talking to Arlena Waller, uh, Kadar uh, and Bentley's mom. And she's like, man, you're always out at these events. And I've known Arlena and Doc for a long time. Doc used to train my son when he was growing up and, and or coming up as a middle school player. And so she's like, look, you're doing a lot of stuff, but you don't have like a real brand behind what you're doing. You know what I mean? So not that, and at the time I'm like, I don't really care about that stuff. You know what I mean? And I, and I still, it's not necessarily about the brand, but it's like, she made a really good point. Like you need some sort of a logo. So people know where to direct if they need to contact you about something, right? Basically all this work kind of goes to waste if there's not something behind it that people can reference. So she actually shot the logo to me one day out of nowhere, just kind of like, Hey, put this together. It's yours to have, do what you want with it. You know, so a major shout out to the just the Waller family in general uh, for how much. It was right, essentially, right? I think that's that was the correct that was correct game right there. I think that the branding does matter 100 percent, bro. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. You're great at what you do, Paul. And I think once we we affiliate you with your logo, that's that's how I look at it. Like if I yeah. see six and one hoops live, it's legit. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. And so I was. Yeah, I was really fortunate. So I just started going down to events, right? I was like, okay, look, I, I'm really enjoying covering the game. I mean, coaching it. And I just, it wasn't that I didn't have any passion for coaching anymore as far as the AU ball. It was one of those things where like the team that I had had was phasing out. They were done with the AU circuit. They were graduating high school. I didn't have an up and coming team. So I just started going randomly to some of the bigger events, specifically like the Pangos events, the West Coast Elite events. And a lot of the scouts and writers like Ronnie Flores from Cal High Sports, uh, Devin Uglin from Prep Hoops, guys like that in the SoCal area. Um, and then Jerry Freitas from up north, uh, Frank Burleson, Dino Straganis from Pangos. Like, 
I kind of was just going to all their events and, and, and kind of intermixing with a lot of those guys. And they kind of noticed, man, you're here all the time, but also trying to plug some of the Central Cali guys at these events. You know what I mean? So from there, it kind of led to conversations with some of the top scouts in the Southern section and the Northern section, but specifically the Southern section. And they were kind of like, look, bro, like there's nobody covering hoops in your area. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's local guys, don't get me wrong. And there's people that do a great job. You know what I'm saying? Clovis sports report, Paul meter. And then they do a really good job. Pag meter with what he does covering sports in central section. There's don't get me wrong. There's people covering it, but someone just focusing only on basketball and really kind of figuring out who these players are. So it, it, it kind of started from that, you know what I mean? Kind of getting an idea of, okay, there's, there is, there's known talent in this area or there's people that know there's talent, but nobody's driving two and a half hours from SoCal to come watch Independence play BCHS. They're just not going to do it. You see one or two kids, you know what I'm saying? And so that kind of led us along. And then at the same time, you know, Damo and Irv and them started Clutch. Mm-hmm. So they were doing a lot with videography. We were both at a lot of similar events, you know what I mean? And so in the last year or so, it really just came down to this is what I enjoy doing. I, I enjoy watching the game. I enjoy analyzing the game, really try to take kind of the stuff I've learned from some of the people that have been in this thing for 25 years mm-hmm. as a groundwork of like, what should I do? I, I'm constantly trying to reference them for feedback on stuff but also really trying to provide a platform for kids in this area. And Ronnie Flores gave me some really good advice. He was like, look, man, stick to your area. There's tons of dudes in SoCal covering all these kids. There's tons of kids and the guys in NorCal covering those kids. Like if you end up relocating to one of these areas, you're just going to be another one of those dudes. Yes. Or you can have a bigger platform in your area. And also it benefits them because then you have someone pumping information out to them. And I've, you know, been fortunate, you know, it's always hard for me to talk about this kind of stuff because I don't want to come off as braggadocious, but it's been, I've been fortunate in certain areas where I've seen it kind of play itself out, where kids have gone to camps or events, and I've, if I'm not able to be there to plug their name, shoot guys that I know are going to be there that are scouts that are going to be doing the, you know, picking the selection for the all-star games at these events. Hey, there's this, this, and this kid. Now the kid's got to show out, yeah. but it their names are getting out there. You know what I mean? And so um, it's, it's been really fun, man. Like, I think we really ran with it um, over the, the COVID, the, the pandemic, you know, Domo and I were really trying to put on those, uh, the Central Cali prospect open runs that generated even more. We had kids coming from like NorCal kids coming from SoCal central coast, a lot of local kids, Fresno area kids. And again, it's just, it's just kind of continuing to keep building. And so we kind of decided again, Damo and I talk a lot about this. We go a lot to the Fresno area for games and stuff. And what I've tried to do with this high school season is, you know, the Fresno teams, they've been going for about two or three weeks longer than we have. So I've just been trying to get up there, cover as many games. Um, I put out like a rankings last week about top 10 um, West coast elite. They started a central program branch. So I'm working with them as well. And I, I use their platform, silver wave media to kind of publish my, my write-ups or my evaluations. And, you know, I've just seen that the platform has, has uh, there's a necessity for the platform for these players. You know what I mean? We've seen the way I look at it, you know, if, if I, if I look deep in like internally to like what, what really drives me is coaching a kid like Elijah Carter 
and mm-hmm. seeing how talented he was and knowing that he left his senior year with no offers. You know what I'm saying? And like, we have to do better as a basketball community. You know what I'm saying? And we've got a lot of people that know the game. We've got a lot of people in the central section that have connections with collegiate coaches, with scouts, with recruiters. And at some point we have to do our job to get these kids a better platform, especially during the high school season. You know what I mean? Because that's the time when, again, the LA kids that are playing, not necessarily LA, but the the SoCal kids playing at the big schools, they're getting coverage year round because then they go play AU ball with shoe company teams. So they're getting constant year round coverage where our kids at best usually get AU coverage. And then the top guys will get some love, but that's it. Outside of the, you know, in the recent years, outside of your Jalen Greens, your Isaiah Hills, you know what I'm saying? Outside of those top two dudes, mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys flying under the radar that, you know, if we can continue to expand that for them, and then at some point, eventually, you know, solidifying the scouting service and actually putting a scouting report together and being able to provide that to colleges is the ultimate goal. Definitely, bro. I think the exposure you're giving to these kids, you're right. They never would I never would have had half these kids if it wasn't for six six one hoops. That's something that's a necessity that we're lacking. Like you said, it's not because no one wants to. It's people who were doing it, they moved on. You know, they got different different gigs, they got different positions. And it's kind of like that void that you're filling, Paul. I think that that's a void that you are filling, and it's been really, really been well done. I appreciate that, man. But you're scouting, but what do you look for exactly? What are you looking for for a player, man? What's your kind of what's your ideal? player that you know this guy is the one I, I could put this on my page or I could give him the love he deserves yeah so again a, a lot of it too is is it, it was tough you know what I mean like okay if I'm gonna do this like there has to be some credibility behind it so yeah. again early on I tried to spend a lot of time with some of the bigger scouts which wasn't really necessarily me going to scout players as much as like almost me going to scout the scouts and kind of get a real feel for how to do this. Because, again, it's like, you know, you've been watching the game long enough. You kind of know things to look for. You've been coaching the game, you know, seven, eight years. And it's like you, you put a lot of time and effort into that. But scouting, it's it's more of a, you know, kind of pullback perspective. You know what I'm saying? Because you're not necessarily in the trenches of the wins and losses. So you can take a step back. It's a lot less pressure. You know what I mean? Because you're not having to focus on that thing. So the things that, again, depending on positions, you know what I'm saying? If, I, if it's a guard specifically – point guard it's 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 you know depending on where kids want to slot themselves it's what do the handles look like what does the court vision look like you know what I mean what are uh what are what is their playmaking ability are they able to break dudes down off the dribble quick first step you know little things like that and 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 you know so there's been a few kids in the last years where there's been some you know uh oh this kid's this level or this kid's that level and you know, looking at some of these players kind of breaking their games down, I've, I've listed them as, you know, maybe a D2 prospect and kind of gotten some kickback on it. Like, nah, dude's a D1 guy. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I, you know, at his height, I don't know if he's a D1 guy. You know what I mean? And so then checking that with other guys like a Jerry Freitas in NorCal, who's again, scout, national scout, been doing this 25 years Definitely. and getting the same feedback from him. Yeah, he's a D2 guy. Okay, cool. You know what I mean? Now I know I'm on kind of the right path. So that, that's kind of where, like, as, as far as, I guess, checking to make sure I'm on my P's and Q's and doing things that are going to have credibility, that's where it kind of started as far as getting that foundation. Um, but again, any, any game I'm going to, man, I'm really looking for where, you know, what stands out. So the, the hustle plays always are going to stand out. 
You know what I'm saying? The kid's body language is always going to stand out. You know what I mean? If you can hoop, bro, that's just, it's going to show itself. You know what I mean? Like if you are a three-point shooter, you all you have to do is watch Cole Anderson play for a half. You know what I'm saying? Two quarters. And you can go, that boy is shooting. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm He's a knockdown three-point shooter. But there's a lot of dudes that can shoot threes. And then when they're going, they're hype. But when they're not going, their body language shows it. Down. Yeah. No defense. Finger pointing. So a lot of what I really have been, you know, focusing on outside of, again, the skill set, right, is body language. How do they respond to coaches when they're being critiqued? Mm-hmm. Um, how are they when they get subbed out of a game? You know what I mean? Like, what are they looking at? Are they just kind of – are they hustling off the court when they do get subbed out? Now, what kind of a bench player are you? Are you still part of the team or now are you owning your own mind? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of, I think, uh, in ta- I guess intangibles would be the best way to say it. You know what I mean? Because, again, the tangibles of the skill set on the court are going to show. It's those little things like kids that motors are like this, up and down, up and down. One game they're dropping 25, the next game they're dropping seven. Like, you should be dropping 25 a game. You know what I mean? Or seven a game. Or somewhere in the middle. There shouldn't be that much of a variance. But a lot of it is, again, that motor. And I think what our area struggles from, and I'm saying our area in the whole central section is lack of because we're not in the central Valley or the Southern Cal, the Southern section, we're not in the Northern section. So we kind of compare ourselves against other areas. You know what I mean? So Bakersfield compares to Fresno against the central coast and all the little areas in between. Right. So I think kids get a false understanding too, you know, of where they fit at. And, And I think, that conversation sometimes is fun to have with players about where they really are as a prospect. But I think if, if I could add something or if, you know, I don't say me, but I'm saying me with regards to those of us in the basketball community, if we can start adding like a layer, a level of education to all this, to get players a better understanding and to get them to be more knowledgeable about where you really fit as a next level prospect is, is a huge missing component. And it's not just our area. There's kids all over the country. I think they're dealing with it. Of course. I think that's something that we really need to, especially to our listener, not really familiar with what basketball entails. There's a chance to get a higher education playing this game. Yep. And what you're doing is providing that platform to probably get them some eyes. And I tell my guys, this isn't matter if it's an NAIA, D3, D2, JC, a D1, mid D1, whatever you're blessed to get, be happy with that. Of course, you want more, but I think any free education, I think we don't got to go with the stats, but becoming an NBA player, becoming a D1 player, the odds are not the highest. But to get a free education, do that. And it's really cool to see that you're helping our players. I think it's what the motivation is to get these kids to get opportunities to play at the next level. Well, and that's, yeah. And that's, that's, I think the thing too, you know, it, it's crazy when kids, when you, when you want to talk to players and I'm like, listen, man, I'm telling you coaches never call in the first question, maybe every once in a while, but the first question is never, can this kid play? There's film on most of these kids, especially the kids that have the, if you're getting called about a player, they've seen them play. The questions they always ask right out the gate is, are they coachable? And what are their grades like? Because those speak volumes to your character as a young man, right? With regards to, we're talking primarily male basketball right now, right? So with girls basketball, same thing, right? It speaks to your character. If you have a 4.0 GPA, 
that tells me that you're a hard worker, that you're willing to take on challenges in the classroom, which probably tells me you're willing to do those same exact things on the basketball court. You know what I mean? If you're coachable, that means if you have flaws in your game, which most of them do at 17, 18 years old, if you're going to go, if you're going to go play at the collegiate level, they need to know that they can correct some of those errors. You know what I'm saying? And wrong some of those rights of your, or I'm sorry, right. Some of those wrongs in your game without feel like they're headbutting you every single time they have a conversation with you exactly. because, because what players don't really realize, I don't think and families of players too, is you're an investment. And if they're going to invest a scholarship in you, that's money. money. And they want to return on their investment. So if they just said, oh, this kid can hoop. He got crazy dunk packages. He's knocking down threes. And they just take you based on film. They, you know what I mean? Without knowing the character of you, which again, grades and being coachable speak volumes to that. Mm-hmm. That's real easy to hit and miss on kids all the time. And there are programs that deal with that. You know what I mean? They go more on the potential or the, the athleticism and things like that. And then you end up with a kid that's like, man, this kid's a pain in the butt to work with exactly. because you didn't ask those right questions. You know what I mean? And so, again, I think it requires just a, a better educational platform for players to really understand, you know, that it's extremely important for you to play high school basketball. It's also extremely important that you play club basketball and just as equally important that you do individual showcase events. And most players in our area, or a lot, I'll say most, a lot of them don't like those individual camps and showcases because it's a, they don't like the brand of basketball. And I've told players, listen, I don't like it either. A lot of it's bad to watch. It's a bunch of up and down, chucking up threes. But what it does show a college coach or a scout is, okay, this kid is now in an environment where he's not with his teammates. He's not with his boys because that's what's going to be like when you go to college. And now how do you survive when you're out of your comfort zone? And so like, there's these three necessary levels that kids have to be engaged in. And I think that's another key component, Earn, when we're talking about like what hurts our kids with regards to recruitment and that exposure piece is they're not doing all three of those categories where a lot of these kids, these top kids are doing all three all the time. So when our kids do go to a camp in LA or in NorCal, one of these bigger events and there's two to 300 kids there, you know, high school basketball players. And it's the first one they've ever done as a sophomore or junior in high school. And I mean, I'll, you know, everybody knows that's been to these events. You can walk in. I probably tell you 10 of the top 20 players before the event even starts. Mm-hmm. And that's the politics of it. You know what I'm saying? And players get salty about it. I'm like, look, I get it. It's not fair, but life is not fair. Exactly you, you got to start doing these earlier. And so I, that's, I think the other thing too, is really getting players and families to understand that the, the investment it takes early on, if you're trying to get a scholarship, you're basically investing early on in order for that scholarship that'll pay off in the long run. You know what I mean? I think what you were saying of the intangibles too, I'm not going to say his name, but just a player of ours recently or back in the past, Players need to remember too. Social media gets you in so much trouble with your. If you're not happy at a program, please don't vent it on your social media, my guy. It's. I know you're the best player on the court, which is great. You've always been that your whole life. But coaches, especially at that next level, aren't looking for the best player. They're looking for the best player for their system. Yeah. And if you can't be coachable, you can't take a little criticism. Then you, here you are venting on social media. 
It's like, dude, you got to stop. We, I think players too, you know, whoever you guys watch it, stop. You guys got to stop that. That will take, I think that's a, that's a, that's an eyesore for sure. Right. For the next level. Well, yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, I think the other thing too, and I'm glad you brought up social media. I think players have to understand college coaches go through your social media accounts. Oh, the way, dude. They're looking through the accounts because again, that's another way they can learn who they're investing in. Is this kid worth the time? Um, I've even told players, you know, in pictures, you know, they're not, not kids that are gangsters or anything, but you know, they're throwing up little stuff here and there. They seen in rap videos or whatever. I'm like, bro, it's not funny though, because you could literally, and it's not a joke. And I don't know if they try, like if all players fully understand this, but it's like, you could lose the attention of a college coach by something you've posted on social media. You're alive. Exactly. And that's an opportunity you missed. Yes. Like, so what I really like to talk to players about too, sometimes is like, make sure like you have almost a separate account for basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like use social media to, to promote you in a positive way, have a basketball Instagram account, I get a Twitter account. You know what I mean? Like the one thing, a lot of the players I think are starting to get the, the, the hang of now is like, you need a Twitter account because there's a ton of coaches on Twitter. They're not really on Instagram like that. That's more family stuff or they're on Facebook. You know what I mean? Like, but if you want to start tagging coaches and getting their attention, the business side of things is being done on Twitter. That's where a lot of the coaches are at. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just having those right accounts, but also again, knowing how to use them. And and I think Ern, you hit, you, you hit it right on the head by saying like, it's, it's, it, it requires like a good group around you to help monitor because we're talking about teenage boys, man. You know what I'm saying? Young men. I, at that age i was making all kinds of mistakes you know what i mean so same thing like i know even when, it was like as a man i still yeah. make mistakes on my social media but yeah. i don't got college guys looking at me but i do now working for current high i got eyes on me i can't really do what i you know when i was 25 30 yeah. now but no yeah. it, it applies to every day it applies to our players too i yeah. think as a now i'm on you know and you know as a teacher now that i'm on campus just you know not a teacher of course but just working for, as a staff member it's real, real, it's been real interesting to keep an eye on our guys now. Mm-hmm. Like, bro, do you see what you're doing? You're representing everybody in that gym, though, when you do dumb shit like yeah. that. Which is, yeah, you know, exactly. I want to, but, you know, like I tell my guys, I'm, why would I call one of the co- college coaches we have that you want to say, hey, this kid wants to play at the next level. I like him. But look how you are off the court. I said, I can't trust you. It's a liability. It's, it's um, your character. Your character really could show through social media, 100%. Yeah, definitely. So that's that's something I really hope you know. Again, all these players, anybody who's watching, just be mindful of that you know. I think playing basketball sometimes can be the easy part of it, especially when it comes to the business of basketball. There is that the intangibles, like just our guys. I tell them all the time, like, dude, you're walking out with your head up, your head down, though. You're talking back to coaches, like yeah. that's that's a big. That's how I know you're not really serious about your game. You can't take constructive criticism. How's yeah, you gonna apply it to the workplace when your yeah. boss says, "Hey, I need you to do this a little bit better." You're not, you're you're a liability. It's it's kind of pointless to talk to you, talking to a wall. Well, it's kind of like the gift and the curse of social media, right? And just media in general, exposure in general. It's like. Kids now, players now have a have way more opportunities to get seen just through social media, right? Than kids than players have had 20, 30 years ago, right? Because of that. But at the same time, that exposure that can go real positive. Also, if things are negative on your social media, you have that many more opportunities for 
any slip up to be seen exactly. and that exposed so you have the you have the upside of positive exposure but then also the downside of the potential for negative exposure with media social media specifically right and so it is it is it is it's almost impossible to say as a you know young man teenager like hey don't do this mistake that's why it's like you I really appreciate certain players whose parents uh, manage their social media accounts. You know what I mean? And I know that's not cool. No, no players were like, I don't want to know my parents manage, but it's like, you know what? Those kids who's those players, whose parents do manage their accounts. They're professional. You never see anything off topic. You never see anything posted of, of anything other than basketball or scholastic related report cards, GPAs posted, things like that. All things that if I'm a coach and I scroll through it, I'm like, dang, kids are pretty to do this does this kid even have like a social life you know yeah, what i mean yeah. like to, to that point not that again and, and and it gives them more of a lens into who you are and that's could be really good or it could really harm a player as well so just being you know tech not tech savvy sorry just being like conscious of the realities of what's going on with social media and that coaches do invest the time into looking through those things they're doing their homework they got to do their due diligence to make sure that that re that scully money is going into the right people's hands and they're not just losing money because of what a kid looks like on the court only. Definitely. One last thing, Paul, I want to really, you know, talk about this past summer. You were an outlet for so many kids. You and Clutch, Clutch, uh, Clutch Hoops, you know, Rue was out there too. How mm -hmm. important was it, you know, uh, the springtime in the summer, having those um, those, short, those showcases for our kids, not, like you said, not just for the central section, Vegas for the Kern County area, but you had so many kids come from, coming from other areas. How important was it to kind of start that? And what did you learn from that this year? You want to continue doing on to the next couple of years? Yeah, so th I think the thing that was really fun about it was, seeing kids come from other areas, right? We had a um, kid from the uh, Long Beach area come through a couple times. His name's DeMarco Johnson, eighth grader. He's one of the top eighth graders in California. Kids, I mean, he's not your average eighth grader, you know what I mean? And uh, so kids from like that area and that age group, but then specifically with the central section, like being able to get kids from all over the central section, Fresno, uh, Kingsburg. So one of the assistant coaches with Kingsburg High School, he was bringing a group of guys through. Um, Amaris Furman, who's uh, the guy who's running the West Coast Elite Central program. He's also the assistant coach at Allen Hancock Junior College. He was bringing guys over. He coached an AAU team over at the Central Coast before he jumped on with West Coast Elite. Mm -hmm. He was bringing guys over from the Central Coast, which was really great because it's like, I never see those kids. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Really? Unless it's like the playoffs or something. Um, so what, it, what I really liked about it was a few things. One, it was just really nice to get kids in a relatively safe environment. We kept the workouts to like no more than 15 to 20 players. You know, we were trying to be, it was weird because we were kind of this tightrope, you know what I mean? And, and Damo does a great job. Like him and I do a good job of always self-checking each other on things. Like, so we, were, we ran the events for a couple months and then it was like the numbers were going up big time, the COVID numbers. And we were like, bro, this doesn't, this is like a, this is an eyesore. If people see all this posted, these videos posted, it just doesn't come across as like we're being responsible. So we took some time off and then numbers dipped. So we started some things back up and then numbers went back up. So we, you know, so we've kind of really managed that part of it. And that's been fun to do as far as you working with someone that kind of sees things the same way is, is nice, but also has their own spin on the basketball side of things. You know what I mean? Um, but, but again, the, the opportunities that we saw out of it was, 
that I, that I would like to build on moving forward is we have a great opportunity to start doing maybe more of these events moving forward. So having more showcases for individual players, you know, getting to the point at some time, putting like team showcase events together. So the, the, the potential for having events in the central section, there are events already, but I think with the reach that we have between myself and between clutch, you know, clutch has done a great job of building a, 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 a networking relationship with a lot of the top videographers mm-hmm. in the nation. You know what I mean? They're networking with ball dogs. They're networking with beach city hoops. They're networking with, you know, all the big name people. And so they're involved in those communications through their text messages, which is great for all, for both of us. You know what I mean? Because it gives us, we, again, we have other outlets that we can reach out to and they're always like, yo, you guys need to do more in your area. And so I think what we got out of the, the, the prospect runs and the showcases was one, we do have a lot of talent in this area, a lot of talent and not again, not just division one talent. I think we have a ton of hidden division two talent mm-hmm. in the central section and some high level NAIA guys. And I think if players really understood the benefits of a uh, division three school, right? A high academic school, they would, you know, you could start to put the emphasis more on the grades, bro. You could go play college ball and get a phenomenal education on top of it from like a, you know, uh, uh, Caltech mm-hmm. and walk out of that institution with a degree that's going to land you a job where you're making six figures easy. You know what I mean? And you could do it by playing and basketball is the way you get there. But they hear D3. So a lot of it too is in, in these events, you know, we were able to put some video film together. I was able to do a lot of like evaluations and write-ups. I used the silver waves media platform to promote them there and post them there. Again, Silver Way has been great about, you know, Ryan Silver and his crew have been great about promoting, uh, allowing me to get, have that platform. And so that, it, it really showed us there's the depth of talent. There's a need and a desire for players to want to get on that stage. The other thing that I think, and I, and me and Dom have talked about a little bit, but I, that I really walked away going like, wow, this is why this could be beneficial is it allows our top guys to compete against each other without competing against the big names from SoCal and NorCal. You know what I mean? So it kind of levels the playing field a little bit because they're, again, it's not that our kids, like our top kids, like a Joseph Hunter, right? Or an AJ George or Seth Marantos over at BCHS. You know what I mean? Even my kid, man, my kid's not, you know, top tier hooper in the nation, but the kid can be a ball, you know what I mean? And so even him going to some of these events, you know, these larger events in, in SoCal, NorCal, Vegas, wherever, you know, wherever the individual events are at, you're competing against not just the players, but the names of the players. And so having stuff here locally in the central section, it allows our top guys and even that next tier of guys to have the chance to stand out without competing against players' names. You know what I mean? Because that's what really hurts a lot of kids, players across the board, regardless of where they're from. If you don't walk into those events with an already known name, you're competing against the player and the player's name. And that's like competing against two things. And that other player is only competing against you as the player because mm-hmm. their name is already established. And so I think what we've seen is there is a ton of potential to continue these types of things in the central section. But I think also keeping things tied to the bigger organizations outside of the central section so that again that information is getting fed back and forth 
mm-hmm. so that when Cal High Sports does their rankings or does their player awards or when D- uh, Dinos from Pangos does his rankings or when Prep Hoops do their rankings or when, you know, uh, Jerry Freitas is putting stuff together, we have now the ability and the opportunity to have conversation with those guys on the phone, you know what I'm saying, or via text message, and that helps increase the exposure even more. And now when those kids do go to these events outside of our area, they're not just going there as like, well, fingers crossed, I hope it all goes my way. Your name's been given to people that are going to be scouting the event. So just go out and hoop, just do your thing and hoop. Don't worry about the politics. Don't worry about anything else. Just go play basketball. You know what I mean? So I think all those things combined, again, a, 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 a realization that we have a lot more talent in, in this area than people realize. Mm-hmm. Two, there's a platform to put it on. Three, we can continue to keep doing this moving forward for this foreseeable future, you know, with individual events and team events. And then three, taking the top players from those events, working with some of these big event coordinators and saying, hey, these are the top three guys at that event, or this is the top guy. He was the most outstanding player for this showcase, maybe he gets comp for free at this bigger event. You know what I mean? So using that way as a way to network because it's not cheap. You know what I mean? That's the other thing a lot of our uh, players struggle with is I'll send them information. They coach, do you know about a camp or a showcase? I sent it to him like, dang, it's like 300 bucks. I'm like, bro, would you think it was free? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like investment. We're investing in our clubs. Exactly. So if we could start to get that platform to where if we can take the top two players from one of our events, and work out something, you know, and get another 10 players to register, those top two players maybe get an event for free. You know what I mean? And those are conversations that we've been having with some of these bigger event coordinators. So just, again, more opportunities, man. And I think that's exactly what we need here, especially in this in our county, bro. Like, we need the eyes, and we have the talent, I think, especially in the next couple of years. I know oh, yeah. that's kind of a down year, but I really respect what you're doing, man. I think it's going to be beneficial to kids all over the, you know, especially for my side of town, we don't really have that exposure, you know, especially the ones who are really ballers, just yeah. didn't have the route, didn't know, didn't know it existed, didn't know how to get to that destination and play at the next level, no matter what, if it's a D3, NAIA, whatever it is, they never been exposed to that, man. So it's real beautiful you're doing that, Paul, and I'm really, I'm rooting for you, my guy. I'm all, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on it. That's why I have you on, too. I was really interested in what, you know, the service you provide for this community. I appreciate it, bro. And it's, it's been my pleasure too, because it's allowed me to kind of navigate through, you know, you know how it is, man. There's some, some people get along, some don't, whatever it is. And I think that this part of it and getting away from the coaching and being more on this side of it is really opened my eyes to the benefits of, you know what, man, working with other people, you ain't got to be best friends with everybody. Oh, bro. At the end of the day, we're, we're doing our kids a better service. If we can all work together for the collective good of what it's, what our kids need is, again, a platform for basketball. You know, we've got a great five-court facility in Bakersfield. We have, you know what I'm saying, we have people, we have good trainers, we have some quality coaches. Like, we have the pieces that can make it all fit together to where there's quality. But, again, it's – at the end of the day, it's still, it's still Kern County. You know what I mean? It's still Fresno, California. It's still the Central Coast. And if I'm a scout not from this area – it's going to take a lot for me to go watch you play exactly. versus if I can just get that information from the people that are already covering it and they feel that information is credible and we can go from there. But I, I've, I've really enjoyed the networking. Um, and I appreciate you, man. I, you know, this is, it's, it's really awesome platform. Domo and I have been talking about possibly, you know, jumping in and doing a podcast on our own about some stuff, but 
you know, I've been very fortunate um, in all of this too. You know, I, I've, um, you know, not, not as a shameless plug, cause I don't need to say this as a shameless plug, but I really try to get myself, you know, really more involved in, with, with Christ in the last few years yeah. and, um, you know, just try to get some things right. And, and I feel like the more I kind of just give that over, you know, to him and just kind of let that guide it as well. I think it, it clears my mind on what's important and what's not, you know what I'm saying? And some of the things when I was a coach or when I was just kind of ignorant about stuff that I thought were important, I'm realizing now like that, the stuff wasn't that important, man. And you you know, you may have burned some bridges in the process. So make sure if you burn in a bridge, like it's, it's worth it. You know what I mean? And most of the time it's just not, you know what I mean? It's really not. And so it's, it's that too, having the opportunity to work with people, having the opportunity to come on your podcast, you know, and, and, and talk about my platform and talk about what I'm doing is I'm extremely grateful for that because, you know, if you guys weren't doing what, if you weren't doing with your, what you're doing or some of the other people I've been fortunate to be on podcasts weren't doing what they're doing, then it still becomes something that's just a name brand and do people really buy into it? Is it, is it worth, you know, it still becomes kind of a, a mystery to some people and, you know, we, we don't want that. we got enough mysteries around what our players are dealing with anyways with regards to exposure. We, we want to eliminate as much of the uncertainty as possible and know that people are going to get a legit um, assessment. And, and, and two, you know, like I said, working with a guy like Damo, uh, Clutch in general, but specifically Damo and I work a lot together. Dude, he's, a, he's so smart. Yeah, man. Bro, and that's and not, not even, I would tell him that if he was sitting here with me, it's my guy, one of my best friends. Smart dude, bro. Yes, man. We have some great conversations, you know, on the road. And I think well, the one thing I like about a lot of this too is, yeah, it's a lot of road travel and it can get tiring at, at times, but it also allows for those conversations where you can kind of work through a lot of the structure of what we're wanting to do. We can hash all that out on the road. You know what I mean? But then we have, you know, other good talks, quality talks about just what's important. You know, what are some things we could do to, you know, yeah, we want to do this for the players and the, and the kids and, and, you know, keep them as the focus. And so how do we keep that persona going? Because, you know, in this thing, there becomes the battle of anything you're doing, you get some success. It's always, you got to, you got to tame that with humbleness. You know what I'm saying? And so for me, and I feel like Dom's the same way, like I'm not, I'm really not trying to chase clout. You know what I'm saying? I don't want that to be the perception and it's, it's, but it is constantly having to remind myself, like, remember why you're doing this. Remember what's important. You know what I'm saying? Remember that you're lucky to be doing this because this is not a rocket science job. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people can cover basketball. So I'm fortunate to have these things and I don't want to take them for granted. And I think that is a huge factor that keeps driving me to want to accomplish more, but also at the same time, constantly trying to check and make sure that it's not getting that point where you start to just feel yourself too much you know what i mean because i think that takes away from the kid you want to do it for the right reasons for sure yeah definitely i think that's something i come in i'm con i'm constantly in battle with that too i'm not perfect like i gotta really humble myself like what are we what are we doing this for like what is this even with the dj and podcast i'm like okay remember that when you started at two years ago you were talking to a mic you were just talking to your you know your your imported microphone your laptop my guy mm -hmm. And just the blessings that came with now we have sponsors back in this and it's, yeah. it's crazy bro like i feel so fortunate or just being at being at highland like bro anybody could be here but yeah. they chose you you know so remember why you're here with these kids and i think like you said man you gotta just let the universe and god take over and just mm -hmm. remember, it keeps you humble and just 
keeps you hungry. I think being hum humble and hungry is a really deadly combination. It's going to lead to just rare things, bro. I think we're especially seeing where you came from, Paul. I think two years ago, my guy, you were just like Garza's watching. Just like you said, you were just, you know, watching the players. Now you started doing your scouting, doing your rankings. Like I was there. I seen the beginning of that. And to yeah. see where you're at now, man, it's 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 awesome, bro. I really, um, I, I love seeing, that's what I was telling Domo. Domo's always co-signed you from the beginning too, my guy, 100%. I'm sure you know that, but just to, you know, just to FYI, Domo's yeah. been, man, stamp of approval since the beginning, bro. Yeah, no, that's, he's he's been, he's been someone in this thing. Like, again, you know, you there's a lot of people I've been very fortunate to network with, but in, in our area specifically, it's just been nice to have someone who has a very similar vision about what we're trying to accomplish. You know what I'm saying? But the nice thing is we compliment what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not trying to do the scouting and the write-ups. I'm not trying to hold the camera and do the video stuff. You know what I mean? So it's funny because we could, if we were, if one of us chose the, what, what the other one's doing, we would actually probably be more competitors. You know what I'm saying? But because we didn't, and we are kind of in this, we kind of started, jump-started a lot of it at the same time. You know what I'm saying? They they started clutch when Foothill was on their run. I was, that was my first year coaching at Ridgeview. I was posting stuff left, right, because Ridgeview was going to a bunch of tournaments because that was right after they were coming off their, you know, a year removed from their Valley Championship. So they had a lot of clout in the section. So we were at the Clovis Best Nike Invitational. Foothill was there that year as well, too. You know what I mean? So that kind of started it all. And, and to see, again, how things have been able to kind of merge since then is uh, it, it's, it's rewarding. It's also, um, but, but it's, it's like you said, that kind of hungry element to it is like, but there's so much more that we could do for the positive. You know what I mean? It's like, don't, it's not that you don't need to be um, aware and, and pleased with your accomplishments, but it's one of those things where it's like, you don't want to be comfortable and settle with that either. You know what I mean? When there's, when there's more, when there's more that can be done. Yeah. I think being comfortable and content to disease is always, more always yeah. more but we just something we could learn from do i learn from every pod that's why i try to make every pod the next best one you know so yeah it's awesome bro i'm, I'm and I, i'm rooting for you paul i really I appreciate you bro same, same, here to you, man. same here to you episode 85 you, you're gonna make it a great one bro i really appreciate you coming on um for all the players out there all the players who want to you know hit you up or just get you know get your rankings and get your scouting where can they find you at paul um, the, the easiest way would be to go to, um, so either Instagram, which would be 661 underscore hoops underscore live. Mm -hmm. um, and then, or uh, for Twitter would be just at P double underscore 33. Mm -hmm. um, but if you type in Twitter 661 hoops live, it'll pop up. You know what I mean? Those would be the two areas to, to, to like, if they had questions or, you know, wanted to contact or, 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 you know, um this what we've been looking at this season and i've been telling players listen if you have a good game like we can't be at every game you know what i'm saying so shoot me your stats i need official stat sheets but send me a picture of an official stat sheet we'll post your stuff so that you're getting that that run you know what i mean so those would be the two best ones and then from there i could always direct them as far as write-ups and evaluations go um all my stuff is published on silver waves media um so if they just go to that you click on the boys basketball link and um, I think my most recent uh, articles is still the top one on there right now. I don't think they've published anything this last week, but most of the, like all of our write-ups we did on the Central Cali Prospect Scouts and uh, basically everything I've done the last year, I've been putting through there. So that it's, it's all on the Silver Waves media. Beautiful, bro. We'll plug that in for sure, man. And that's going to be episode 85 of the STS podcast. I got Paul Hernandez, 661 Hoops Live. My guy, I appreciate you coming on, man. Blessing the pod.
appreciate you for having me, Aaron. Definitely, man. You have a great evening, my guy. You too, my guy. Here we go, y'all. Appreciate it. All right, brother. Take care. <laughs>